0: All right, business and buckets fans, I am live from Montana again, this time with another close relationship that I have, uh, Mr. Shadow. Uh, foreshadow, if you want to give him the rapper name. Yes, sir. Is that technically your rapper name? I know, like, you know, Allaire and you are Foreshadow 2, type of thing. Yeah. Is it just Foreshadow and Allaire? Your are Foreshadow? What's the. Oh, uh, so
1: yeah, Foreshadow is just me. Foreshadow X Allaire is both of us together. So. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, first off, we'll do a
0: little introduction of how I know this guy, and then I'll get into our guys at Field Supplements. Um, But yeah, I mean, we both grew up on the reservation here in Montana, cross paths through high school, probably were more of acquaintances than anything, but then coming to college, obviously, all of us res kids kind of (laughs) packed together, it seems like, so um, cross paths, you know, had some good times. As is what college is. It's more good times than anything. I feel like, <laughs> I, feel like I paid for good times more than That's I right. did a, yep. you know a piece of paper. But uh, hey, I majored in journalism. It's got me here, so maybe it did do something. That's right. Um, but before we jump in and go through foreshadow shadows, history, and his path to becoming you know a rapper, entrepreneur, busy businessman, father, family figure, um, we're going to dive into field supplements. Because if it's not broken, why fix it? That's the inspiration behind Fueled Supplements' newest product, Creatine Monohydrate. So why take creatine? Well, Creatine Monohydrate is one of the most well-researched and effective natural substances available for increasing muscle performance. Creatine <clears throat> enhances performance by supplying a pool of ATP, which acts as muscle tissue's primary energy energy source for fuel during explosive bursts of energy, power, and strength. It's 100 servings, non-GMO, gluten-free. Obviously safe and effective, but you guys know the deal. Use my promotion code buckets at Field Supplements for 15% off everything, but whey protein. Once again, promotion code buckets. Always, you know, tagging them on my social medias, putting them on the YouTube. If you're buying supplements, check them out. People helping people. It's all about the small business. You know, screw the GMCS and the other places of the world. They got enough people going (laughs) there, and it's all overhyped and overpriced, anyways. How about yourself? I, I don't know. Are you a supplement guy? Have you ever supplemented before? No. Do you ever
1: do anything to keep you
0: fresh while you're rapping and, and
1: <laughs> running the studio and everything? No, man, not really. I use like bang energy drinks, you know, or rain, <laughs> anything like that. So. Well, we got to get this guy on some supplements, got to straighten him up a little <laughs> bit, get him
0: fresh, get his mind right. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for having me on. We're in your new studio new, new wave, wave
1: right yep new wave studio yes sir
0: so we'll just kind of you know i i like to chronologically go through your past history to what's got you here but this is an exciting thing i mean how do you feel that you got this going up and running i know the local
1: news station was here recently uh, and yeah. it's got to be a some sense of accomplishment absolutely man yeah it's super exciting uh i mean it's kind of like one of those things it's an accomplishment but you don't realize that it's a it's an accomplishment because you've been working at it so long that you just think, well, it's about time I did this. So, yeah, it's been great, man. It's it's super exciting to have, the, have it up and running and have clients in and have people in here doing their thing. It's been awesome, man.
0: Plus, it goes by so fast. You kind of get caught up in the grinds, you know, uh, exercise I have sometimes. And I think probably COVID opened my eyes a lot of just how grateful I was because people went through some real shit. Right. And, you know, me, I didn't lose my job. I still had a place to live. Like, just the key pieces. But having that reflection of sitting back, looking at, like, holy shit, dude, I've come this far. And that's why it's fun getting guys like yourself. And I did Dakota, my best friend, the other day. Like, you know, we grew up from places that I live in Seattle now. They can't relate to that. You know, it's a... Some real rags to riches stuff. So it's it's great (laughs) seeing people doing something and and pursuing their
1: dreams because not everybody has that opportunity. For sure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. It's a it's an honor.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, Once you're you know keep blowing up and uh, the studio rocking and the the rapping, we'll have to have you on again and we can have a fun check base. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, But we'll start. So I don't really know the full story. The funny thing is, is like I've known you for years. Dakota's my best friend, and I've known him for years. But doing these interviews, I learned so much from you guys right. because you don't really have a table conversation like getting into the deep shit. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Uh, maybe some people do. That's not usually my forte, but right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's fun to hear this. So, um, were you
1: born and raised in Dixon, or where born, were you born and raised? Born in Missoula, raised in Dixon and Arlee and went to high school in Charlotte. So kind of all over the south end of the... Did you go graduation. to elementary
0: school in junior high in Dixon?
1: Yeah, yep, so all the way K-8 through eight in Dixon, and so, Charlo after that, so...
0: Just all the res schools. All the schools, <laughs> man,
1: yeah. Um,
0: I, I always like to bring this up because from us living here, and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't born and raised in the res, I grew up in Wyoming, oil field area, kind of a good amount of money, they're like Jackson Hole, big touristy place. And coming here was definitely a, you know, like, oh, this is a different kind of place out here. Yeah. So from you that's, you know, pretty much lived on the rez your whole life, how would you explain a reservation? What is it like and what kind of culture is followed there?
1: Um, so I'd, I'd explain it as, you know, I've been a lot of places now that I'm older. I've been all the way across the world. I've been in Thailand, you know, and just seeing different cultures and comparing it to, you know, where I was born and raised. There's lots of similarities, there's lots of differences. So, you know, like explaining to somebody like what a reservation is, I always like to it's it's a beautiful place, but there's lots of past history that's that's not so good. But, you know, native people, very resilient people, lived through a lot of stuff, came out on top, still doing it. And so in some ways, you know, it's kinda like any any spot that like where you would go that has minority culture, you know? So when I tell people about the reservation, I'm like, yeah, it's a great place, but there's lots of pain and there's lots of struggle. And it's it looks great from the outside, but it's not all that when you get deep
0: down into it. I have mixed feelings when I come back. Uh, my best friend, Dakota, lives in Ronan, which is on the reservation. And he has a house that's literally got the mountains right in the backdrop. Mm-hmm. And Every time I come back, you know, like, Seattle has mountains, there's good the mountains over there. I grew up here, but I forget how just epic they are, and how yeah, like they yeah. just make you feel. And I just wake up there every day with a cup of coffee, I'm like, man, you fucking live great. here still. Like, this yeah. is awesome. It's so cool. And then the next day, I go to the gas station. You see people, and you see like yeah. the things, you know, the the pain and the suffering that happens out here. And it, it, I always tell my managers at work, if you want to get me motivated, send me back home for a week, and I'll just be all gas, no breaks, because mm-hmm. you see the things that other people go through, and it's like you know that's why I moved out to Seattle that's why I have yeah. grinding, doing my thing and it just makes me so hungry just to keep pushing forward right. because you know we're still young but you know there's some times where you work so hard you can kind of get caught in the trap of like I'm working hard I'm doing it and you can just be complacent so right. um, it's definitely a mixed feelings coming back every time yeah, because there sure, is man. so much beauty and there there's just so much you know in between the cracks struggling Absolutely. and, and, and yeah. the things that we see on a day-to-day basis for sure man so let's talk about Dixon so For people that don't know, if you Google Dixon, uh, it doesn't look like a town. You'll probably see like what five buildings on the Google map. So, when you were growing up there, you know, like what's the population like? What's it like going to the schools there? How many kids Um, were in your school? Because I don't even know. I've never even stepped foot in Dixon. So
1: I went. My class, I think there was eight of us in 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 the (laughs) class. The entire school had sixty four kids, and so super super small town one of the towns you know you can drive through and if you blink you miss the town it's very small you know had had one bar one store and a school basically in the post office and the post office i think that's
0: what classifies a town cause yeah i grew up in yep. Wyoming. there's some towns like a post office bar yep. maybe a little mart or shopping for some supplies right.
1: and the school yep yep so yeah i think the population you know is somewhere around like 350 to 500 people.
0: That's probably a pretty broad area, right? It's yeah. It's not just,
1: like, there's no downtown. No, no, no. And it's, like, the surrounding area, too. So, yeah, it's super, super small town. So, yeah, growing up there was, uh, it was different, man. I mean, I, I didn't know anything else, but I knew <laughs> it was small. <laughs> so, yeah, that's
0: that, man. When you put yourself back in the mindset, you know, I always try to think back of when I was in school, and as a kid, you just you know, literally blind to what's going on. You're just like there and that's all, you know, right. you're happy with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back at it, you know, what do you feel like you gained from living in a town like that? You know, did you have to be like a dog eat dog to try to figure things out? Cause there is nobody there. Did you feel like there was just a huge sense of community because it is so small. Everyone's just like, you know, they're helping each other out. What, what was it like growing up there as a young um, kid?
1: Dixon was, it was pretty cool, man. The the community when, when back when I was growing up, it was, you know like just the community was they had like melon days you know like yeah, that's what I it was that. it was it always was popping back then but now it's it's like you know petered out a little bit it's, and lots of drugs and stuff there it's a very dark place now but when I was a kid it was great you know and so when I when I was younger like you said I have no idea like of what mm-hmm. what it should be like or you know what I was missing out on but you know after I'm a millennial, so we got a computer at some age, and once you have the internet, it's like,
0: whoa! <laughs> yeah, you don't
1: you don't have to guess about anything anymore. You just can learn everything. It's at it's, you know it's right at your fingertips. So, you know that that was an advantage that I had growing up. And uh, I was raised by my grandma, so I lived with her. And you know I think there's some benefits to going to like a small school. It's a lot more one-on-one. Uh, with the teachers, you know, and there's there's good relationships there, and they really help kids that, cause you know, not everyone from around there has the best home life, and so school is like a sanctuary for some of us. An escape. Yeah, they get to go, they get to get out from their house, cause that place sucks. They get to go to school, they get to eat free food, you know, and so I always I always thought that was pretty cool, you know.
0: Now, when we look at the town being so small. I don't even think I ever even really thought of this. Did you guys have sports? Did you yeah. have like team? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we did. Well, we had track, and then if we did any sports, like organized sports, we go Charlotte. Okay. And so that's kind of how they integrated Dixon to Charlotte. Right, I was just
0: thinking. I was like, wait, they never had like a football team or anything. No. Because Saint Regis is pretty small. Yeah. And they have teams. Right. But I think it's because they don't have another town next yeah, to them. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah, so they did have, like, football and basketball back before I went to school there. Like, when my mom went to school there, they had actual teams, football teams, basketball teams. But it was a little bit bigger of a school then, but it got smaller and smaller. Still pretty small, so. So I know I've met your sister, but do you have more than one sibling or just one? No, nope, just one.
0: And she's how much younger than you? Two years. Two years. So how was that growing up with your sister? Did you guys have a very close bond? and? feel like you grew up together were you guys kind of completely opposites and it was was what it was or
1: um yeah we're su- we're super close man we have had a really good relationship I mean you know how it is with siblings just brother sister it's just not you don't like each other when you're younger you know but as we got older you know and get mature and like we we really uh support each other and so we're each other's like super big support system you know I didn't my mom and dad weren't around all the time, so, you know, I had my grandma, but then my sister, we became super close because of that, and so, you know, it was always, it's always a good relationship now. It was brother-sister shit back then, but it's good now, man. So, my grandma was definitely
0: involved in my childhood as well. You know, what was like, what was that like? Did you have your parents with you all through as a childhood? Were you mostly with grandma? What What was that um,
1: like? So, yeah, I... My mom and dad, I think they split when I was, like, four, I think, three or four. And so after that, I lived with my mom. But then she got into, you know, like, abusive relationship. And so my grandma was just basically like, hey, like, come live with me. Like, you you don't need to be going through that. You and your sister don't need to be doing that. So they, they were around, in and out, you know, addiction, all that stuff, man. And so they were around. But they weren't present in our yeah. lives. So, yeah, my grandma was huge, very, very awesome person. And, uh, I mean, my grandpa was there, too. He passed away when I was a seventh grader, I think. Um, but, yeah, they they loved us, supported us, you know, gave us everything we needed to.
0: As a child, for me, I, you know, went through some of that, too. But did you feel like you had the awareness of what was going on? Or was it just like, hey, I'm living, I'm in Dixon, i my uh, grandma?
1: Yeah, it was. I was aware. Yeah, I was old enough, you know, when my mom was getting into drugs, and, you know, had a very abusive boyfriend, like, that definitely was some traumatic experiences to, to live through, so, yeah, I was definitely aware, my sister aware too, so, yeah.
0: Do you feel like that traumatized you as a kid, and put you through some things, or did you just feel like you just kept moving on, and just knew what you Yeah, did, I mean, definitely
1: went through it, you know, it probably still affects me to this day, because it's just you know it's traumatic so but you know i know how to cope with it now and i know you know my mom's doing good now i'm just, I'm just proud of her now but you know it's a uh, something you just got to live through and it, it makes you a stronger person in the end
0: and um obviously your father now will get into fatherhood later but do you feel like that's helped you as a father seeing that like want to be there and be more present and oh be for sure more involved?
1: for sure man yeah break the cycle
0: yep absolutely yeah now, um, you said you went to high school. What, where did you start your freshman year of high school? Where? Yeah. Charlotte. Charlotte. And yep. did you graduate from Charlotte? Yep. So um, did you still live in Dixon, though? Yeah. With Grandma? Yep. How was it going to school in Charlotte, even though you lived in Dixon, you know— here in Montana, you get these small towns. They always collaborate to have enough kids to play sports, those types of things. Yeah. But was there ever like an outcast piece going there because you're not technically from Charlotte? Were um, you welcomed with open
1: arms? Yeah, kind of. You know, like doing like seventh and eighth, sixth, fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth grade sports. It was like, you kind of did not feel like outcast to go there and then like, like Dixon kids, you know. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. But once you once I got into high school, it was you know it's pretty welcoming when you look back at your high school years, what were some things that you took away,
0: you know, living in a small town on the reservation? Um, You know, would you ever change it, do you feel like? Do you feel like that, you know, those were the years where you really had to mature to be prepared for what the next steps in life were? Because a lot of people, you know, don't really go to college out here. I would say that, you know, the numbers probably aren't very, and if they do, it doesn't last very long, right? right? Um, So, you know, for you, did you feel like, you know you had a lot of maturity years there and you had to start putting your mindset on like what's next or
1: yeah yeah for sure man um I mean obviously the the push is for an institution is obviously get people prepared to go to college and looking back on that I wish I wouldn't have just went to college because I wasn't ready for it and so the years at Shiloh they prepared me but I just wasn't ready to go to school I didn't know what I wanted to do but you know being a native american the the rates are very low for people who go to college and actually finish college so i know you know i had a lot of pressure from my from my grandma and stuff to like you need to go to school you need to get your degree blah 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 and so the experience at charlotte was very it's it's a reservation school but there's not very many natives there and you know not very much color like Arlie, or you know Ronan, or even Polson. It's just there's there's a lot of you know farmers, farmers yeah, ranchers, in very very small amount of natives. So I was, you know, I didn't I didn't really like, I didn't really accept my background, my culture. You know, It kind of felt like an outcast just for being for being native, and so that that kind of was. You know, it was different, but I adapted to it, and uh, I really took away, like, I was, that's where I really became interested in writing and, like, had a really great English teacher. She's super awesome. She, you know, would let me write poems all the time and stuff, and that's where I really started, like, actually writing, making rap music, too. So it was, that definitely prepared me for the steps I would take later, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: I was talking to Dakota about the whole college thing. I feel like we're maybe not the last. Probably the you know the next like four year group was still very pressured for college. But now, you know even big tech jobs in Seattle don't require degrees. And you know people are realizing like man that's a big investment when like you can do your own podcast, you go online and be an influencer. Like you could do you know the world's your oyster really. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just kind of weird how we get put in that mindset. But in high school, did you always know like, hey, I have to go to college because that's like the system? Yeah. Did you think you were going to be a rapper in college? Did you have an idea of a career path you had, or what was no, that?
1: No, like? I mean, like I would, I went to college for business, and so, and that was cool. I learned a lot of stuff. University about, of Montana, right? No, I went to Dillon first, Dillon. so Western, and then I came to UVM. So, but yeah, I, w- I went, into business, did that, whatever. I, I could have just stayed in Dillon and got my degree, but I didn't. So. Like, I really did become involved in music. I started producing music. I started, uh, you know, rapping just, like, in my bedroom. And after I started doing that, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to school no more. But I kept trying it out, kept trying it out, and then finally I was like, nah, I'm going to just do music. But in high school, you just didn't really know. You just figured school was the, the next Yeah, year. yeah. I mean, I knew I was interested in, in music, obviously, but I was like, that's not feasible. So, yeah. just went to school, because that's the thing to do.
0: I mean, I don't think there was, yeah, I don't think there was, like, any type of rappers or musicians or anything in the schools we had when we were growing up. Did you, were you ever involved with, like, I know you guys started codependence later on, and there was other people in our schools, but, like, that was never even, like, a concept of, like, that could be a career, or, hey, there's people doing that there. Was that... Yeah, no, it was uh,
1: my, my buddy Roman and his brother Chance and then our friend Ryan Lynn. We started rapping together, so he would just write music and, like, do it on after school, you know. We were stealing microphones from the lab and, like, bringing them home and then got pirated programs and, you know, just try to do our own thing, and, like, we all were super interested in it. So that was like my the crew that I had that I knew that was into the same same stuff as me. So but there was
0: nobody else really around. No. Nah, yeah. No, nah,
1: and I I've talked about that before like I, I had nobody to uh, nobody to like really look up to and be like, "Hey, how do I do this?" You know, like how can I get into doing what you're doing, you know? Now, you know, you got it's me. business in buckets, bro. <laughs> right. That's what we're doing. Right? Yes, you got you got me now. People can reach out and be like, hey, man, I don't want to, I'm really interested in doing this. I can help them out. So. That's what it's all about, man, people helping people. That's right, man. Um, now,
0: when we look at college, you started, you know, writing. You started getting into music. When did it just click? Did you have an aha moment? Did you have people that's like, hey, actually, dude, like, some of the stuff you're writing is really good. Like, how did this concept even become a re- reality? Um...
1: It was probably like the day I decided I'm gonna drop out of school <laughs> was I was uh, I already I played my first couple shows and I was just like man this is awesome but at the same time I was like I don't know how I'm gonna make money how am I gonna pay rent blah 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 you know and so all those thoughts going through my head but also like I don't want to go to school
0: and this was in Missoula right yeah yep so when you started making music you said you took the mics from the lab you were trying to figure it out yeah you said you had a little bit of a group with you did you guys all just like hey let's you know keep doing this thing we're having a good time and then you were like hey i want to you know rap by myself like what was the first like steps getting into rapping
1: um so i guess i have to say once i went to college at dylan i bought a computer and i bought like an interface to record through, I didn't know what I was doing, so I was just <laughs> buying stuff. That I'm like, oh, dude, that's, that. that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and so I bought turntables, and then I realized I don't need turntables to to rap. So you know, I, I sold those, and then um, after you know, I, I couldn't stay away from home, so I was always coming back. And my cousin Buck, he's a he's a in or a musician too, and he was like, hey man, I got I bought all these. I bought all these like this equipment to supposedly we can record music he's like I just don't know how to do it and I'm like oh, okay cool so we started going out to his jam spot and like yeah we I figured it out and so we just started making music out there and it was like a step up from you know the lab microphone and whatever and I was producing beats and you know we're staying out there you know when you first get into something and you just love it we're out there till 4 or 5 a.m. just like making songs and like don't have nobody to show them to, because we didn't want to show them to people yet, you know, but we jam 'em jam them, and so that's when it, we really started, like, and that was me and Roman, and uh, his brother Chance, and then my cousin Buck, and so that was, like, the first initiative to, like, oh, okay, we could do this, and we're kind of good at it, and I, I know that, because we're on beat, <laughs> so <laughs> so, you know, it just evolved from that, and just kept going, and kept escalating, and it's just, I knew like then I was like okay we can, I can rap I can do this I sound just as good as other people so. how'd you learn the specifics because there's a
0: lot involved in rapping right kind of like a yeah. podcasting. you look at it it's like oh this guy is just like flowing it's that easy right. they don't think about the beats they don't think about the production they don't think about like the right eight oh eights, like the right structure of a song did you even know these things or did you kind of no. just like hodgepodge try to I mean it
1: out? I I knew about music and like timing and just from going to school and like playing instruments when I was younger or going to choir I just what knew what you play uh well when I was younger we just played like a recorder like a flute <laughs> and so like and that's all I ever did I, I got good at that but then in college you know I, I took like a uh, piano class so I learned how to play keys and stuff but so I kind of had knowledge of like basic knowledge of music and so it was it was never like I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like I kinda had an idea and I was super into computers so I could run a computer and figure out programs and that's what it was really about. It was me researching what program to get, trying to get that program and then trying to learn it. And that was like six years of straight up. Okay, let's try Go this forward. again. Yeah, let's try this again. You know, oh, how do I make it sound better? How do I make it sound better? Oh, you know, now now I'm learning how to mix. Now I'm learning how to, you know, bounce stuff out and put different effects on, you know. What was the first program? Uh, We used Fruity Loops, I think, right out the gate. Actually, no, it was uh, Sony Acid, uh, (laughs) Acid Pro. Um, Used that first, but that, I didn't like that program. So I was like, I'm going to get Fruity Loops. So I just pirated it. Pirated everything until, like... Two years ago <laughs> so I like made it official because it's tax write off now yeah, <laughs> so exactly can dude. buy it can buy you know buy the programs and then get you know get some money off of taxes so um, yeah everything that I have now is all, all legit now um, as we get through the music scene you're working
0: with your cousin you're working with the buddies Um, Did they want to, you know, were were they just kind of evolved in the idea? Did they want to be rappers and sound producers as well? What was that like? Just
1: basically rappers, because I could could do all of the other stuff. So they're like, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll just write. And so we we got super involved in that. And then we all moved to Missoula. That's when I came to U of M. Roman and Chance, they both moved in here. Um, And we... that's when I started meet, like, Keenan and Justin. Um, you didn't know them through school at all? No. Nah. That's I knew wild. Just, I knew Justin just, like, from branding out of the Stipes. <laughs> like, that was it. Uh, wild. But, uh, so, yeah, we moved to town. Roman actually went to the service. And so he was gone for a long time. I didn't have my, like, my fucking right-hand man for rapping. And so I, like, went to, I think it was Plains Fair, and uh, Keenan was there and so we like hanging out around the fire he starts freestyling, and and then we just like we're like hey yeah dude we should try to make a song whatever whatever and then Justin came out to my grandma's house I had the studio in the basement at that point and it was like 2012 uh when I when Roman went to the service and I started hanging out with those guys we I produced a beat that night made made a song next day like we're like we should do we should have a group (laughs) so like that's how Codependence was formed Uh, Keenan had the name for it and uh, you know after that we we brought everything to Missoula everyone moved here and we started to like get into the scene and like people who you know everyone just thought we were like these young, we were just these young kids who were talented, and so they're like, "Oh my God, you guys gotta play these shows!" Like, they're just putting us on, man. And I really appreciate that, cause that was huge. And we don't, we don't even play shows with those guys anymore. But uh, um, yeah, man, if that's like really how it got moving, and we got to Missoula, and then it was like had the studio everywhere I moved. So like everywhere I was at, studio was there. You know, we lived right over here on Bow Street. Have the studio in the basement and like you know we just wake up, <laughs> go into the studio and make music all day long. Like that was it was awesome, man.
0: Were you a solo rapper before that? Then? no, or? man.
1: I never did. I mean, I did. I did do some songs by myself, but I never considered myself like a solo artist because I always was with other people. Did
0: you have a first song that you still have?
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I wrote it like about my mom and dad, and you know being it was just like a. <laughs> A release of emotion, basically. That's how I vented a lot, was writing and, and rapping. And uh, I think, you know, my dad actually was, like, went to prison on DUI or something, and it just, like, hit me. And so, like, all this emotion came out, and I just, like, I mean, I think it was called 180 or something. And uh, I don't have the song anymore, but Dang. my mom loves it. Like, she had it. It's It's lost forever now. I know somebody's got it, but it's that was the first song i ever did by myself and like made the beat and everything and like everyone all my family showed it too they're like this is so amazing <laughs> i'm like <laughs> and then like a couple years later i was like this, this shit's corny bro <laughs> but yeah. i mean it's got it's really good like a young version of me just like putting my emotions out there so it was very pure you know and like i think back on i'm like
0: yes yeah, it's, it's cool no, it's cool because a lot of rappers that start, they have the raw shit, you know, and that's what gets them going. Because people are like, damn, and then people expect that rapper to be like that the whole time. Right? But yeah. They go through, diff- you know, they go through success. Yep. They have to start changing their mindset. I'm the old Yeah, exactly. You know, the old Eminem. The old J.
1: Cole. Exactly. Yeah no, no one ever says that to me. So. <laughs> I'm <glad. laughs>
0: um, But yeah, let's talk codependence. So that's when I really started, um, you know, kicking it with you guys. My roommates were close to you. Bryce is related to you, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you guys started doing some shows. So you know, you guys started this idea. He he brought up the name. Um, were you were you guys all writing and rapping, or were you mostly like the producer writer? I
1: produced. Worked? We all we all wrote and rapped nobody you know nobody wrote for anybody else which I thought was cool you know a lot of people have ghostwriters these days or just people <laughs> who write music for them but there's no you know no shame in that because like if you're a good rap artist and you just can't write you pay someone to write for you you still sound good when you rap you know but I always like to write for myself because it pertains to me mm-hmm. and like my life yep. I like to put you know the everything I say is is real so I always tell people that you know don't rap about stuff that you actually don't live, because then someone's gonna confront you and you have to be like no nah, I was just saying that yeah like <laughs> no nah, it's not cool bro. <laughs> no one wants no one wants someone faking it yeah but sure. um, yeah so we'd all write and I would I would produce and I would uh, you know mix and master record us and so we started doing that playing shows and then Roman came back from his deployment, and he just hopped right in. And like, <laughs> he was another member of Codependence. And um, so we were playing shows with Roman, just, you know, basically just partying, like the college <laughs> fucking lifestyle in your 20s. We'd go to shows. we just, you know, get wasted and go to festivals, get wasted and just have fun, play shows. It was always great, but we never got paid. You know, and it was like... What was I thinking? Well, I was just having fun, man. That's that's all it really was. Yeah, back we then. got paid for shows. I mean, we got paid here and there. We threw like one of the craziest shows when we released an album at the Palace. Like it was jam packed, and like that was the like we were about to get kicked out of our house down here, and we we threw this release show, and we're like, okay, we need to make like fifteen hundred dollars to cover rent, and we did. We smashed it. We made like nineteen hundred bucks, and we were like oh, so we can make money doing this, you know? We have fans at that point. There's a fan base. And so that's when things started clicking in my head. I'm like, okay, we got to start making money or else this is not a it's not a feasible thing because real life starts to hit. It's like got rent, got bills, got whatever, you know?
0: So i will talk about your first show and your best show is Codependence. But first, the big thing for me and what I see as an observer leaving the reservation coming back is you have to take that leap of faith, right? Yeah. You, you dropped out of school. You didn't know how to figure it out, but That's you were committed. Right. And you were willing to put the work in. You mm-hmm. worked, and you were in the studio. You know, whether you guys partied or not, I'm sure you worked just as hard as you partied, right? Yeah. Work hard play Absolutely, hard. Absolutely, man. But how did you have the confidence in doing that? What do you think gave you the faith to do it? And um, looking back, like, how cool of a
1: moment was that? Uh, it's was, it was amazing. I mean, like, in... Me, as a person, I've always been a very big dreamer. I always dream about doing the craziest shit. And I'm just like, I could probably do that if I really work at it. <laughs> but then, you know, I would, you know, I'd get inspired from other artists and, like, people who are coming up and they're like, just work hard. Just be dedicated, disciplined. You know, like, you have to work hard or else it's not, it's not going to work out for you. You can have these dreams, but you have to, without, without action... It's just a dream, exactly. you know. Yeah. So, like, I always have that in the back of my mind. Even back then, I was like, "Man, I, I want to play the Wilma, but I have to work at that. I have to get better and better, you know." And now I play the Wilma fifteen times, you know. Like Wilma is one of the coolest downtown venues in Missoula. For <laughs> yeah. People that don't know. Yeah, yeah, the Wilma Theater. Um, but yeah, so going from you know playing just the dive bars. To playing a five people to playing like a show with mgk and there's like 700 people there like i've always once those times come you're like wow this i'm bringing i'm manifesting things into reality like here i am playing shows with hundreds of people never thought i'd really do that but i always knew i could you know and so uh, i just think that looking back on just the whole mindset that I had it's never changed I've always been the the go-getter so
0: did you ever were you ever scared
1: of taking that faith did you ever have people doubting you or were you just like fuck it I'm doing it (laughs) uh definitely there's doubters man all the time you know or just like even just my grandma someone who's real with you like that's not gonna work out that's not gonna work out you know but but supports me but like hey, it's real life. You got to do something that, you know, you're going to get money, you're going to have to pay bills, whatever. But still supports me huge. Um, but, you know, that, that also kicks in the gear. Like, hey, I do, I got I to gotta start putting my action into it, you know, and so the leap of faith was probably quitting school and just being like, all right, how can I make this work out? So playing shows, doing tours, you know, just building a fan base is what I've been doing for 10 years now. Do so.
0: you feel like when you did take that leap of faith, though, you did have doubt ever? Or were you just like um, so busy and like trying I mean, to
1: succeed? Like, nah, I never doubted myself. I never had no doubt. It was always music is like what I am super passionate about. And no matter what, at the end of the day, I'm just going to do music because I like to do it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's not going to kill me. I can do other things too. So, That's right yeah. Mentality. Yeah, man. That's right.
0: Now, when we're talking about codependence and you're actually doing shows, what was your first show? Do you remember?
1: Uh, yeah, we played at uh, the Badlander with Dessa from Doomtree. And uh, how many people do you think were in the crowd? Mm, probably fifty to seventy. Fairly big show. Super nervous. Did you get paid for it? Uh, yeah, well, I think we did get paid, like a hundred bucks or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good time, though, or did you feel like afterwards? it was great, man. My mom was there. My sister was there. It was, like, it was awesome. And that's when I became, like, addicted to playing shows. I'm like, oh, this is a natural high. Love it.
0: And were you able to keep putting shows out? Did you guys have an album yet? Or were you just kind of, like, making No
1: album yet. Uh, We were able to keep playing shows, though. We just kept getting shows. Like, you know, we started to make a connection with, like, all the Minnesota artists, the underground artists that we used to play shows with all the time and actually sadistic from out in Seattle um but yeah so it was like we just played shows and played shows and played shows basically for free but we lived in town we're like whatever we're going out we'll get free bar chips and fucking (laughs) drink beer (laughs) so that was always the incentive we'll go down and we'll just you know have some drinks and play show
0: did you have to work a job or
1: no no I started doing I started when I actually got good at mixing and mastering music, I started charging people to come to the studio and be like, hey, do you want to make a project? $1,000, and I'll make this many songs for you. And I'll mix and master them. I'll put them on the internet, put them on Spotify and Apple Music, whatever. All the outlets, because I had those smarts already. So mm-hmm. that's great.
0: Okay. Now, as we started getting things up, how long until you guys were doing shows until you put out an album?
1: Um, so I think we put out codependence day the same year we started doing shows so like the end of that year I believe I can't remember like 100% I believe the flyers in there actually but yeah so same year we did our first show I think we put out the album later that year
0: did you feel a big a sense of accomplishment and success after putting it out and today do you feel differently than that
1: Uh, yeah, it was a huge accomplishment, I was like, I can't believe we did that, you know, like, that's just an accomplishment too, I always tell people, it's hard to succeed in doing something when you don't have somebody that that tells you, we got a deadline, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, someone to drive you, it's all self-driven, and so once we had the album, we had it in our hands, we're like, this is crazy, we did this, nobody told us to do it, but we did it, so. Do you ever listen back to it? Oh yeah, dude. It's still like one of our most listened to, like, projects. At the what year was this? I think it's 2012.
0: So at this time, what kind of platforms is music available on? Because there's Apple Apple, Music.
1: There was yeah yeah it was iTunes. iTunes, It wasn't Apple Music, but it was iTunes, uh, Amazon. It's basically just that, I believe, you know. But I put it on. I think it went on YouTube back then too as well so Were you able to get paid from that, or do you ever get paid from that, or was it just like yeah, still get paid from it to this day? Because if you put streams. music on that
0: platform, because at the time Apple Music, Apple, what the hell was going on with iTunes at the time? Because there was still CDs, right? Yeah. So you could buy CDs. So if an artist had a CD, you bought you get money. But if you put it on iTunes, do you get paid per stream, or how does that work?
1: Yep, paid per stream. But back then it was like you had to buy the songs. So 99 99 cents a song. Yeah, now it's per stream, so.
0: Um, What's the royalty per stream today?
1: Fraction of a penny.
0: I figure. Yeah. So you have to be having like tens of thousands of streams to make any kind of income. Yes, sir. And does that just come to your address that you have on file, or how does that work? So
1: like once you make your online account to wherever you upload your music, they just keep your, you know, your sales and accounting report there, and you can go look at it at all times. So that's how I know f- how much money I made off of that album, and still blows my mind to this day. I was like, I never thought I would make this much money <laughs> out of that, that's nuts, man. Still crazy, there's a song we have on uh, YouTube. And uh, just recently, a couple years ago, I uh, started working for this landscaping company in town, and this kid was like, you know, I kind of made, made a relationship with him, and he was like, so what do you do? And I was like, well, I do like hip hop music he's like oh yeah he's like what, what do you call yourself I'm like oh i do like stuff with i have a group called codependence and then me and alair just got together at the time and he's like codependence he's like i i've heard i heard some of your music i was like what <laughs> he's like yeah he's like you guys have the song on youtube it's got like sixty thousand views and i'm like shut up dude he's like seriously dude go go look and i go look and it's the song hurt yeah. it's me and justin and apparently, so when the Logan trailer dropped, it had Johnny Cash's version of Hurt on the trailer. So was searching that Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and for some reason, like, somebody put in the comments, here's the song, and it directed them all to our song, dude. And so people were like, oh, I like this song way better than the original version. It's like, that's not even the original version. It was a Nine Inch Nails song, yeah. actually, so... Yeah. Yeah, super funny. I was just like that blows my mind. You know? That was my first
0: song that I heard from you guys. I was like, That's fucking badass. Yeah, dude, so no, cool I still
1: lo- I still love that song yeah. to this day. It's a great song. Um,
0: were you able to get money from YouTube from that then?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, they didn't flag the they didn't flag the sample for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm not complaining. I'm yeah, so, not complaining at all. Yeah, yeah, got quite a few, you know awesome. hundred bucks
0: from that. <laughs> so um and then now we're talking you guys were together for a while. Did you guys have two albums or one? Two, two. We actually had an EP too, so two albums and an EP. And were you guys just like, "Hey, let's just keep doing this." Um obviously you guys did some shows. I believe you guys were actually on a couple tours too, right? Yeah,
1: we did. I think we did like four or five tours.
0: How how broad of an area did you get to? Travel well, we from?
1: covered like all Pacific Northwest. We did that a couple times. And then we went all the way to Southern Cali. Um, into s- Utah, uh, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Illinois. We kind of went like Midwest, and that was like the furthest we went, and still haven't got to do, like, last year we had, me and Alaire had a tour booked for the Southwest, got canceled because of COVID and we had another one for the southeast who had never been like out there at all and that got canceled too so hopefully that comes back around man it was really exciting to know that we were doing that but then it got shut down so the
0: tours that you guys did was that a lot of your first time being in those places
1: yeah man and a lot of like rugged or a lot of rugged memories of like (laughs) sleeping in cars and on floors and just like roughing it man gas station food and fucking Concrete floors and sleeping, sleeping bags, and. Did you have to drive yourselves? Oh that? yeah, yeah, yep. We drove ourselves, man. So was, when you uh, get
0: signed up for a tour, do you get paid like an overhead? Like hey. Oh, um, So we more?
1: we met like a couple dudes from the Midwest. Uh, I don't remember if it was just online or what, but we connected with them, and this dude just had like the knowledge of booking tours, and so he's like, "All right, here's how we do it. We make a package deal, and we tell the bar." we want a guarantee of this and like part of the door you know and they're like if they agree then we got that date booked you know so they kind of put us on to that and they went on the first tour with us and so that was super helpful because we had no idea like how was to it start it very profitable
0: that. though? No It was just more spread the word
1: Yeah yeah like I said like, we were just building a fan base that whole time and that we all knew that we're like oh if we come out with like a couple bucks to like get a hotel room or get some food cool You know, we're driving around doing what we love and just traveling. So it was like we didn't have any other obligations. So we're on the road, rapping to people, making fans, kind of making a couple bucks here and there. So in our minds, was like, this is fucking awesome, man.
0: So we'll talk about some of the emotions because there's got to be lots of ebbs and flows of just like new people, you know, like, oh, shit, they're vibing. We're vibing. This is a cool place. But when you're going through that process, did you guys like, hey, let's like – Really lock this in? We're going to be codependents forever, or was it just like we're living life day by day? Um, yeah, it
1: was definitely. Uh, we were like, let's just do this until we're not doing it. <laughs> so like we were always committed to like keeping up with it, and but then you know life happens. Like we you know didn't live in the same place anymore, so we like started to go different ways. People just you know Justin had kids. You know, I moved back to my grandma's house and like wasn't living in town. Keenan stayed here, so we just kind of grew apart, you know. And wasn't ever anything like salty. We yeah. were like, all right, we're done. You know, yeah. it was just like, oh man, we'll try, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. Yep, that's how yep. it works. Yeah man. Um,
0: what was the coolest place you went to on tour with Codependence? Code <sighs> Where you were like, damn, this is fucking crazy. Like I never um, even knew people would want to listen to this shit. out. <laughs>
1: We played a really cool show. I can't. Uh, one was out in Chicago, uh, downtown Chicago. It was a really dope show. Um, probably one of our one of my favorites personally on tour. There's you know it's a dive bar, so thirty people make it look packed and you're like this is this is awesome. I'm used to playing like five, and they're all sitting at the bar. They're not even they don't even care what we're doing. Um, so yeah, that show was very memorable night, man. And then. uh I mean, Justin actually knocked a dude out that night in the bar and uh, that was very memorable um, and then we went outside and there was like this band that had just got done playing this other show and they seen us coming out and like they were just playing music like walking down the street and we like linked up and just started rapping and like they were playing the beats and we were rapping and uh, Roman he got it all on his GoPro it was super dope man like very very cool time what was the worst show? Oh man. There was a one we played in Hood River and there was like one person there. Still, I mean we still played, but it was like <laughs> there was nobody there. So that's probably the worst show ever.
0: And on those tours did you have a bunch of artists or you open it for people? Was it just you guys? Um was Yeah, thing?
1: so we had we had a bunch of artists that like I said we linked up from with, with from the Midwest that came out. And, like, they're helping with the booking and stuff. So there was always, like, five five or six of us on the bill. Is there anyone
0: that's noteworthy today?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, man. Made, like, lifelong relationships with all those dudes. Uh, some of us still, you know, some of them still working at it. But, like, adulthood, you know, things change. Time moves on, you know, and you don't always have time for that. And so, yeah, I still have really good relationships with all those guys.
0: That's awesome. Um, so, obviously, you moved back to your grandma's. Were, were you still doing things solo? How long was it, you know, between uh, codependence and you and Alaire hooking up to still do your um, thing
1: today? So, we went, I moved home. Uh, my house burnt down. And then it was like, it did, I didn't do music for a while because of that. It was just like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have any equipment because it was all lost. And so, but a blessing in disguise, you know, we had full insurance. I had a 100% loss of everything. So they reimbursed us, reimbursed me for everything I had, like plus some, oh. because I had all oh, yeah, these that programs. I had, dude. Yeah, exactly. No, they're like anything you can remember, write it down and put a price on it, and we'll send you a check for it. So I'm like, okay. I had all these pirated programs, and I'm like, I would look it up, like, oh, sh- it's worth five thousand dollars. Write that down. So I, you know, I was able to buy a new iMac, able to, you know, get real monitors, a really nice interface, a nice microphone. There's a whole nine man, so when we when I came back to it, it was like incredible. that's when we made uh I think uh resurrected uh, okay. our last album yep. um but yeah, and you can just tell the progression from codependence day to that it's like just way more cohesive and like I produced everything, and I was way more on my game at that point. But then after that, that's when you know everything. So we start kind of started to split. So I was living out there. Boys were living in here. Justin, I think Justin had moved home by then, um, and so we we kind of. I think he I was having a kid and already had a kid, so um, we just kind of stopped getting together. And we try and try, and, but it just never worked out. You know, didn't have the time. So um, kind of just after that, it was like. A time of just like reflecting working on my own stuff as a that's when I developed foreshadow was at that time probably like 2015 somewhere in there 2014 yeah 2014 2015 uh, just kind of grew as a human as as a artist you know went through some things relationship you know kind of vetted me a little bit and St- came out like even better <laughs>
0: did you think that you would ever lose it or did you always know like, nah man
1: know? Nah, it's, I mean it's always there cause that's what I'd always go back to when I was you know going through some stuff always come back to the music and,
0: your escape your ventilation yeah and everything. just
1: come back and ground myself and be like oh, I still got this you know. no matter what I still got this so um, yeah and then like I think 2016 2017 I played a show um, me and Keenan were playing shows together for a while we just do random like we had a couple random songs we did <laughs> together and we would just play shows together just for the fun of it and that's when I met Alaire at uh I can't remember who we played with someone at Monk's and then we we you know basically had a bar stool conversation like <laughs> yo dude you're dope and he's like yeah dude I think you're great blah 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 and I was like You know, everybody is always like, Yeah dude, let's collab but no I was like, Nobody ever comes through. No one ever like actually acts on it. So I was like, If you wanna come dude let's we can start working on some stuff and he's like, Cool He's like, I'll be there and that's when it started.
0: Was he doing producing and all that stuff? No man, he
1: just wrote at the time. Like kinda like some R and B type stuff and he just wrote and rapped, crazy good rapper. Um Oh yeah, I just dug what what he sounded like and what he did, and so like we you know did forty eight minutes. That was our first project. And uh, what year was that? Oh, like twenty sixteen or 17 It's been a long, while. Yeah, it's been. Oh, it's I think that
0: Fucking three years of this show. So <laughs> like, I don't even know what year. I don't <laughs> even know where I'm <laughs> it's at. Still at. March twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah <laughs> man. Yeah. Whatever.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Um Anyways, it's been some years, you know, since we did summer trees and stuff. But, you know, once that stuff started coming out, it, it, the support just started to like escalate, you know, views. And I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. That's when I started to put together this idea. Like, well, I already had an awesome studio at my grandma's, but you know, she she passed away. And then that was like, well, you can't live here no more because I'm not a tribal member. So like i had to leave that spot sell the house lose the studio bring it to my like little rundown dump of a house that wasn't what i was used to for uh, environment and that's when this idea like really started to fester but we still stayed and recorded there for like three years two years so
0: um where's he from right now where's he he's here? from missoula okay um it's a cool balance you guys have i always like when there's like a rapper with a nice baritone on the other it's like hot chick voice yeah he's not a hot chick but he's got that soft voice right, right? so yeah. you guys have Little that fun R&B, balance which yeah. is really cool that you can very flow those together diverse yep yeah um did you think that when you saw him as like hey we could do well together or did you just like him like I just, hey let's I just, just see i just
1: like dug him as a rapper as an artist like dude you because you know you see people you're like yeah that's whatever <laughs> you know but then you see people you're like okay i'm impressed So yeah, that's what it was like Have you always
0: thought of, after all those events, that you were going to be with another rapper or somebody? Or was it just right place, right time?
1: Right place, right time, man, yeah. And I just need, you know, I like to have creative minds around me to, that's just how, feed off. Yeah, that's just how things work, man. So, definitely.
0: Now, you guys have been together for a while. You have one album, or two albums together, right? Two, yeah. Two albums. Is the idea just to keep cranking it out and yeah. see what's happening? Yeah, we
1: got another one on ice right now that's, you know, best best we've ever done. So super excited about that. Now that we got this up and running, we can kind of get that done.
0: So you talked about the tours pre-COVID. Have you guys ever toured together? No. Nope, but nope. just doing shows?
1: Yeah, we've done tons of shows, man. All of them. Me local? and Hilaire. Um, Yeah, all in Montana. No, we've been to, like, Spokane a couple times. done a couple shows out there with... Superman and Mike Bogan. Uh, it's it's like we before COVID hit, like we were on just like this huge escalation of like, dang, we we're getting so much like we we're playing all the Wilma rap shows or any rap show that came to town, we were probably on it, you know, and so that was a really good feeling. We we're just getting all this love, all these fans, like that was awesome. And then COVID hit, and it's like, damn. We lost all that momentum, you know. And so, and I know that's how it is for everybody, but it's like, that's the opportunity, man, you know. Now you get to focus on your craft more. Right, yeah, (laughs) and we did, man, you know, we did. We really, that's all we did. made music this whole time, so. Adversity uh, can create opportunity, right? Right, man, yeah. And you know, we worked on the business side of things, too. That was huge. Like, all the business mind of, of the music, like, you know, getting into the marketing and figuring that out and getting into this the studio and figuring all that out, you know. It's been So cool.
0: I remember your first Wilma show was codependence. Have majority of your Wilma shows been codependence or are you and Allaire?
1: Uh so I've played two solo. I played I think three or four with codependence and like four or five with Eric.
0: Who was the biggest Artists that you opened up for there? Because um, I know you've done Machine and Kelly, you've done Tech Nine. Yeah. Who else?
1: As far as like as many people in the crowd, probably like MGK. Um, that was that was a really big show. Like I said, there's like He kills it live. 50th, yeah. He I was, saw him
0: open for Young Thug. Oh, yeah. It wasn't really too enthralled in the, <laughs> the fucking show. I was like, because he, you know, he'll play the drums, he'll play the guitar, yeah, no, he'll do everything. Man.
1: Yeah, he's a good performer. I respect him as an artist a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's probably like the biggest show. Uh, we did one, with, we did two with Bone Thugs. That was super cool. Oh, I forgot uh, that. Yeah, one in Bozeman at the, uh, what was it called? I can't remember what it's called now. Anyways, super cool venue, and then we came to Missoula and played with them the next day. That was really dope. When do you do open for them, do you ever get a kick it with them? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Bone Thugs were just kind of weird, like... They're old, right? Yeah, and like very. I'm ready for sleep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but all the other artists that we've, you know, I play with, I've seen them like in the green room, you know, like Tech Nine and Chris Calico. That's super cool, you know. Turn around and Tech Nine is standing behind me. I'm like, holy cow, this is insane, man. The bucket list, you know? (laughs) Like, those are those dreams I talk about. Like, it's crazy. I used to watch Tech Nine all the time. Now I'm playing a show with him. Still like Dick Knight. He's still yeah. playing out music. I know, fun. man. He still does a show here in Seattle every year. I, yeah. I usually see him.
0: Yep, he kills it, man. Um, who is your favorite person to vibe with or, like,
1: connect with that you open up for? Um, probably one of my favorite people is Mike Bogan. And we've played, I, like, me and him are friends now. Like, he's, he's killing it, you know, but he's a very humble person and... He's given us a lot of insight into, like, the artist, to the craft, and to, like, to value yourself, you know. Lots of uh, good talks with him, man. One of my favorites.
0: You know, you talked about landscaping. Obviously, you're working another job. When did that start? And do you feel like that's something that you want to continue? Was um, it a COVID
1: thing that you? No, just it was like before t- COVID. It was like right when we had to move out of my grandma's house. You know, I had to you know I had to pay rent now. So, um, I just got a job. I only worked there for one summer, and then I started working with Sean doing tile. Um, so that's what I do now. I have my own tile business. So, do you feel like you're gonna keep that going as well? I'm gonna keep it going until like this it's working out so even there more ain't no stress <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean it's getting there man like just all the events I do with the community and the tribe you know that's starting to pay pretty good and I just want to keep that rolling and once I know I got some sort of contractors some sort of salary type I'm done doing tile man yeah <laughs> you know, I love the money man but it's you know it's hard on the body tile is what it is do you ever see yourself in the job just thinking about music Always, man. Yeah, always. Yep. Twenty four seven. Sean <laughs> my boss, he's a musician too, so oh, uh, it's really cool. I can you know, we talk to each other about music all the time and we're working together, so it makes it easier to do it. So So you talk about being a
0: dreamer and obviously you have to have an action planner, it's just a dream. So now that you've had this big wave, you've had a little pump on the brakes, you probably had a lot of time to think and just reflect mm-hmm. You know what do you see the next five years like you know what is really the next thing so you know we haven't really talked about the studio but is this just because you didn't have a place for the studio you know you're turning this into a business like do you want to be uh, you know on the entrepreneurship side for a long time have that as another source of income like what's the idea of the future state
1: um so really i wanted to get in here to first of all have a professional environment for myself to make music that's number one like just want to make my own music and I don't care if I gotta pay monthly I want a nice spot to do it and so that was number one idea number two I want to help other people I want to get youth in here that don't have the resources let's work let's make let's make your dreams come true man like you yep. know if you want to do this let's make it to where you can see yourself doing it um, and then you know if that I'm just going I'm just The way I explain it, I got all these lanes, you know, always in my own lane doing music, doing my own music, doing my, you know, my community events. I'm just trying to go down every lane that I can go down. Whatever one works out, cool. But I got all these things going on and I just want, you know, I want to be that busy because everything brings money in and everything is helping out me mentally, helping others out, so you feel like you ever get burnt out? Uh, not with music, man. No. Uh, I get burnt out with just Tile. working. <laughs> yeah. So burnt out that it's hard to, like, you know, like you said, work two jobs, man. Like, your podcast. You know how it is. Clock out, clock in, dude. Like, it's, it's overtime, man. And it's all for something that, like, you don't know how it's going to turn out. So it's just uh, you're just put, applying action to that, to that dream, man it's awesome
0: now um Eric is really right. yeah Eric so does he work as well
1: yeah he does a tile art class <laughs> class installation so for like uh, windshields um, is that full-time yeah full-time too man we all have full-time jobs all of us who work here all have full-time jobs so me Eric Coulter and rude Coulter full-time job but he's like he does his his videography so it's his own business and his passion at the same time. But. So was
0: this your idea to round up the squad, or? Um,
1: I, I mean, it's like all collectively been all of our ideas for a long time. Uh, me and Rude going back to when we first started working together ten years ago, we were always looking at the next studio spot, you know, to record and do whatever. Um, Coulter, all obviously has all of his equipment and stuff, and he already had that out at his place, but. He, same way, I want, he wanted a professional, like, an office setting so we can go in and get your shit done. And so, yeah, we've all had a collective idea. And once Coulter moved to Missoula, you know, COVID was happening. And we're like, hey, look at these commercial spots are, <laughs> like, cheap, man. Let's get, let's jump on the Opportunity, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, when we look at some of the
0: music that you've put out, what would, well, maybe Hurt is, but what's your most streamed
1: or most successful piece? Um, protect your people, by far really yeah that's great that's pretty new yeah last year uh yeah went viral so first song that i had went actually viral um was that on youtube or did you put it on all like uh it went viral on facebook actually it has like seven thousand shares and like over a quarter million views that's insane yeah i didn't know it was that big yeah it was nuts man i was like i couldn't believe it i couldn't couldn't someone listen to it on And anywhere man yeah protect your people uh anywhere uh, Spotify Apple music whatever you can think of YouTube has the that video. just you right there was no one else in yeah it was
0: just me um, was that like a project I did yeah, no, uh, it that? yeah so
1: the tribe actually reached out and they were just they just wanted to do a COVID awareness campaign and they just were like they didn't really know where they were taking it but you know sh- uh, Michelle Mitchell she reached out to me she's like ha- uh, works in department head and she reached out I was like, hey, do you want to do the song? And I'm like, uh, sure. And she's <laughs> like, well, we'll pay you. And I was like, okay. And she's she's like, well, what do you charge or what do you want? She's like, we could pay you 2000 And I'm like, I was like, yep, bring me the contract. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that right now. And so, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, I signed the contract, I uh, sat down to make this song, and it happened, like, in an hour. In It was like the most flowing, like, pure piece of work I think I've ever done. I was super proud of it. Well, obviously you
0: got paid, and the money probably was nice, but it's got to be something that was close to home that you were passionate about, right?
1: Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, just bringing the culture and, like, the elders and the awareness of, like, the virus into my music. And, you know, at first I was like, this isn't going to be, like, it's just whatever. I'm getting paid. I'm just going to do it. But then once I got into writing it, I was like, oh, this is actually good. It's cool. So...
0: It's funny how sometimes, you know, even today, I'm leaving tomorrow. I've been here for two weeks. I had a busy day at work, and we're here, and I'm having a blast, right? right. And it's just like you get in that motion, and that's what pursuing your passion, I think, is so important because then it's not work. Right. You know, when you think about it, when you have to prepare for it, you have to block the time away. It's like, oh, I could just be chilling right now. Right, but yeah. then once you're in the minute, and then you're done, you feel refreshed. Right, it's like huh? really hits home, and yeah. I think that's super cool. When you look back at it, do you have a favorite project or album or song that... Maybe that's it, that really just, you're like, hell yeah.
1: Yeah, this, well, all of our all of our unreleased stuff is probably my favorite Is that just the today. new shiny baby, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is, man. It's, uh, you know, I can't wait to release it. And it's, you know, we got like 10 songs. But we just, you know, we got to prepare. We got to do it right and get videos done and, you know, get a release, a release show planned and all that stuff. Do you have so. a past project that um, really sticks out? Well, I really like Protect Your People, you know. Also, Summer Chill, that was huge. Yeah, I mean, that's a vibe, man. That's a right, real
0: I always, sh- so, you know, I went to your guys' shows. I was all about it. You know, Bryce and Thomas and all of us yeah. were out there. Like, we're fucking in college. Like, yeah, let's go. Our friends are fucking rapping. Like, yeah, it's our friends, bro. Right. Like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. Um, but even in Seattle, I was like, yo, dude, check this out. Um, The last album, you know, hitting home with, like, the reservation, the suicide oh, yeah. rates. Like, yeah. I thought that was so cool how you guys gotta mold a story and uh, you know i'm always plugging in i still listen to it to so my shuffle but that song especially i don't think anyone could like not like that song right it's yeah a, it's
1: like a mac miller it's just like oh yeah you that's know what exactly I mean? what i thought when we were making it when i wrote that i was like this is you know this is an ode to the goat man
0: no it's cool uh, i'm actually editing f- footage from since covid i've done a lot of hikes skiing snowboarding mountain biking with those guys in whitefish and i'm just putting like a, this is what i've done through covid being outdoors I think is important right. like going and just being one with nature can keep your mind clear and I just to, I have a bunch of Mac Miller songs on it it's just awesome, like R.I.P. Mac Miller but yeah, um, that's really cool uh, I figured you'd say that song because it's a, it's, it's a banger for sure Yeah. Um, but when we look at the specifics with your music now that you got this new shiny project um, how do you continually push the pace so obviously you have Eric who you've been working with for quite a while now mm-hmm. but do you seek advice from people do you try to go and find new circles of artists to, like, try to keep your, you know, music's changing. I mean, since we've been in school, you know, any kind of genre that I was into is quite a bit different than when we were in school. So, like, are you literally, you know, really trying to keep that fresh? Can you just, with the internet, do that and just, like, hear people's projects and see what's going out there? What's that like?
1: So, basically, I like to keep it local, man. I really put on for Montana. And so, like, I like to find other artists in Montana that I like and link with them, you know, because I know, you know, huge shout out to Edwards, man. He's one of my favorite artists in Montana, but he's also, he's a businessman and he works super hard, you know, to, to push his music, to help, help others. Just like, you know, with his studio, with Treehouse and all his crew, it's like, it's awesome, man. So I like to, I like to source my music and keep, Keep everything basically local. I mean, I pay attention to everything going on in the mainstream and stuff, but it doesn't. It you know I get inspired, and so sometimes that has influence on my music. But you know, keeping the pace, it's it's hard because like we all work full time. So how you know how do we all manage our time so that we can be in here working on our on our stuff and make it like uh, you know, a very productive session to where we're like, oh, let's get this done and get this done. You know, that's how it's gotta be. And so we're just now, like I said, we just opened right in June. We just got like, we're just now getting clients in here and finally like being able to like, okay, Hey, next weekend or next week, let's, let's book a session and we'll get some stuff done, man. And so it's finally starting to come back around. It's been a long time. Like, Uh, like two months since we've even like got to look at one of our songs so it's been a long time man but it's coming around now Um, what's your favorite mainstream album that most people would know um that's tough man (laughs) yeah I know I had to go with probably like watching movies with the sound off I love that I love Good AM too um, huge Mac Miller fan, you know I love J Cole, Forest Hills Drive.
0: I went and saw that live, and he does the whole album live, yeah, which I, is crazy because he's I always the same, same. He's always like, Yo, he's like everyone's got the features. I did this. I want to do this whole album that was front to platinum, back. front yeah. to back, no fucking features. Yeah, no, and I, it was like,
1: I got such in a different state there. It was insane. Yeah, yeah we watched him in Vegas. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, one of my favorite concerts, man. Um, but, yeah, you know, anything J. Cole, anything Mag Miller. I love Jack Harlow. Oh, that's another one. That's cra- that's a crazy one, I too. I saw him
0: at Nemo's in Seattle. Oh, nice. Before he blew up. Yeah, and we played coworker with him. My co was
1: putting me on him. I saw
0: that. I was like, no way. And, uh, you know, I started listening to him. I was like, damn, this kid's really good. And then uh, he put out his newest newer album, I can't remember what it Confetti. was. It started getting big. Yeah. And then he put out um, what's poppin' and then you know, now he's fucking everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but that's
1: just cool that Yeah, he's to his go. tour is completely sold out. Yeah. Every it's single insane. show. It's uh, yeah, so we played with him in Missoula at the fairgrounds too. There might have been hundred and fifty people.
0: There. And he kinda come you know, not the res necessarily, but Louisville, Kentucky, like out oh, there yeah, yeah, he sticks yeah. a little bit. For sure, man.
1: Yeah. No, he was cool, man. He's humble. We met him, we talked to him. You know I got a picture with him yeah. he was a cool dude man was, yeah that's it's a great experience man one of the best
0: all right so when we talked talk about you just managing multiple things multiple jobs you have multiple lanes that you're following obviously you're a father as well so talk to me a little bit of what it's like managing also your personal life with all these lanes while trying to do things and obviously you have a girl so obviously you know, there's discussions and she's got to be a great support to be able to allow you to do those things so just talk to us a little bit about that
1: yeah it's, uh, it's tough man to say the least you know having kids you know just the main thing that I I'm always like man I wish I didn't have to work a day job <laughs> I always go back to that cuz I'm like I could be at home right now chilling with my boys but you know I gotta be here working so but you know also at the same time I got to provide for them as well so you know hopefully one day they understand that but just trying to juggle the, all that, man. It's, you know, there's there's a way to do it, but it's tough. And it takes communication with your significant other, obviously. You know, because, you know, most, most women want attention as well. But it's like, look at all this stuff I got going on. There's lots of support, you know, from her side because, obviously, she knows this is my passion. She wants to be number one, but I got a couple number ones, you know, like, so... But it's good man like it's it's something that you have to master and you have to be You know the you have to schedule things and really make make things on time you know everything has to be firm as far as How I'm gonna be done with this session then that will be home, you know, like that stuff has to be firm Especially when it comes to your promise over deliver. That's right. That's right. So yeah yeah, pretty pretty uh, I mean this, there's been hiccups because of all this, but you know, in the end, you can't, you can't argue with, with, the, uh, with the constant progression and success that I've been getting. It's like, why would you want someone to stop doing that? They're Literally living their dream, you, you don't want to stop that. Yep. And do you feel like it's just you and her
0: supporting each other? Do you have other outside influences that help? Do you, her parents, your parents, other family members? That you know, the saying it takes a, you know, village to raise a child. Or right. do you feel like it's just you, um, you two are? Uh, yeah, I mean, chemistry. I
1: mean, we we're, we're definitely you know we're independent, but obviously, just like you said, takes a village, man. You know, my mom helps out. Her mom helps out. My sister's a huge support for us. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely tough with kids, man. We've always gotta have somebody on deck to babysit. You know, especially when. Things are like with me I'm like, oh, someone just booked a session. I gotta go do that tomorrow, you know, whatever. Need someone to watch the kids. So yeah, man, it's there's lots of support there. So that's good.
0: Cool, so I got some quick hitters that i like to ask everybody to wrap us up. Cool. First question, I guess getting right into it. Tell us about <laughs> one of your darkest and hardest times that you had to push through.
1: Um, I fought addiction for quite a while man uh you know wasn't necessarily uh dark times but I look back on it you know it kind of was you don't see it when you're when you're in that so you know I'm I'm out of that I'm over it and uh you know once an addict always an addict so can never never try to go back to that but that was definitely a very very hard time so I'm glad that it's you know I put that on the back burner. Was this through the start of the rap career? Yeah, kind of, man. Just, you know, living the party life, dude. Just getting into drugs and whatever else and it being accessible. <laughs> so, yeah, man. But, yeah, all good. How were you able to get through out of that? Uh, willpower and my significant other pushing me to be a better person. That's huge. Yeah, huge, man. If you could give,
0: if you could give a shout out to someone for being their biggest inspiration or motivator, who would it be? Oh,
1: probably my sister, man. Yeah, shout out my sister, turquoise. Yeah. She's killing it, man, and uh, she inspires me day in and day out. And she's a very independent person, and whatever she puts her mind to, she does it. So yeah, I do the same. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> um, if you could
0: give uh, simply give a life tip or hack to the audience, what would it be? Work hard.
1: Stay motivated. Stay disciplined. Stay dedicated. Yeah. Do you credit your success to luck, hard work, or being in the right place at the right time? You know, luck is, they always say luck is when preparation meets opportunity, so... I don't ever really believe in luck. I believe in, uh, if you work hard and you you put yourself in those places, then opportunity usually presents itself. So,
0: yeah. As a rapper, what was your most humbling moment?
1: (laughs) Probably playing shows to no people, or five (laughs) people. Uh, You know, no one has ever told me that I sucked at rapping. Um, There's lots of hate that come from people, but you know, that, that comes with everything. There's going to be people who don't like you. That's just how art goes, you know? Um, so, yeah, probably just playing bunk shows or, you know, forgetting lyrics on stage. No one ever really knows except you or some people who are hardcore fans that, are like, bro, you messed up. I'm like, shh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your highest of highs? Um. That's tough, man. Probably having, you know, one of my songs go viral or putting my kids in my music videos. You know, getting super involved with my community has been, like, all highs, man. Opening the studio. How are you able to keep going and grinding through all those? Oh, man. It's, uh, willpower, man. And just, uh, the thought of never wanting to fail yeah failure just keeps
0: motivating you yep Uh, last question for you
1: do you have an end goal um yeah man I you know basically my end goal is to number one help other people out and help other people accomplish what they want to do within this area of expertise obviously you know other things too I can mentor people too whatever Um, number two is just to be able to do this full time and like make this a a feasible thing man and really take my music to where I want it to go Um, and it's getting there everything's everything's on the up and up so awesome well I appreciate you yeah you hosting me in the studio
0: and having you on the podcast once I post it I'll let you know and uh, anything else that you'd like to shout out you have the studio do you have any plugs, like a website,
1: like how yeah. you yeah. um, So you can find my music uh, pretty much on any outlet, uh, Foreshadow. Um, uh, my Instagram is Foreshadow406. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Foreshadow406. Um, YouTube, Foreshadow, excuse me. Um, and, you know, if you want to check out the studio, it's www NewWavestudio.com and that's N U W A V studio.com. Yeah, thanks for having me. Check it out. If you guys are in the area, you got Mr. Local right here. Yes, sir. Alright, thanks
0: Thanks. again, my man. Yeah, of course.